0: What's up, world? Welcome to a new episode of the Brand Janu Show. As you know, I am Brand Janu, and like always on all podcast platforms, Brand Janu Show. Uh, also, also social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Threads. Brand Janu Show. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Brand Janu Show and YouTube channel, Brandon Janu Show. Um, yeah. <sighs> this is bleed sports. I bleed sports because I do because I really, really do. Um, Tonight, I will be talking about week four of the college football season, week three of the college football season, week four coming up, week two of the NFL season, week three coming up. And of course, um, just various sports that's going on around the world like this. So baseball is almost over. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. Um, Baltimore and Tampa have secured, um, pretty much their spots in the playoffs. They're just fighting it out, duking it out to see who's going to win the division. I think it's pretty much, I think Baltimore, I think has like a six and a half game lead. I'm not really sure. Um, the Astros, Mariners, and Texas Rangers are still duking it out to see who's going to win the, a, uh, the AL West. The Astros have a half a game lead over both of them right now. Astros are playing against the Baltimore Orioles right now in a series that's very interesting and very intriguing. Um, and then the AL Central is pretty much locked the fuck up. Let's be real. Uh, and I think it's going to go to – I'm not mistaken. I think uh, – maybe, I think it's the Guardians, the Guardians, um, might be wrong on that, I'm not sure, but, um, Cleveland always wins that goddamn division, it's either between Cleveland and Minnesota, and we're pretty much sure about that, so, um, when it goes to the NL, NL Central, NL is completely different, uh, the NL, uh, the Braves are pretty much gonna lock in the NL East, um, they, I think they have to win like maybe one or two more games, and they are the NL East champs, divisional champs. Uh, pretty much could get the number one seed, um, in the in in the NL, uh, which means everything will have to go through Atlanta. Um, the Dodgers are pretty much gonna win the NL West. I mean, let's be honest about that one. And of course, uh, I think the next team in the NL and then. NL Central is going to probably be the Brewers. But all the other teams in wildcard, wild card, the NL's wild card is more intriguing than the AL's wild card, like I've always said. Um, And that is this. Um, So I was looking at the Sanders a little bit earlier today for that. Um, Arizona... Philly, Chicago, like, San Francisco, um, Cincinnati. Like, all of these teams, every single one of those teams have a chance to make the wild card. I think the Phillies, though, are, like, the number one seed regardless. So, it really does go into who is going to be second and third. And I think right now the Cubs are holding out, a third, uh, holding out a third spot, which is my team. I love the Cubs. Uh, grew up a huge Cubs fan. Um, and, man, it is, uh, it is is nerve-wracking. I'm not even going to lie. This last stretch of the baseball season is always nerve-wracking if, you're, if your team is still in the playoff hunt. We're going to pretty much be a wild card. But, hell, I think if you play us in the wild card situation – We're a dangerous goddamn team. Um, What do I think is going to happen in the next couple weeks? Uh, There's only 11 games left, which is pretty much like this weekend and next weekend. Um, What do I think? I think, uh, like I said before, Houston is going to win the AL West. I don't think that the Mariners or the Rangers are ready to be that team. You just also lost Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers for the entire season, like the entire regular season, if he could come back in the postseason, which we don't know if he can. Um, but for the most part, um, this is the thing about this whole situation for the baseball world is that usually their playoffs are like the time you really get into baseball. Um, this season has been pretty intriguing. Like I said, some teams that have been pretty lackluster, surprised, like the Cubs early in the year was terrible and then they just wheeled off like a couple of wins and they got into the hell cincinnati cincinnati had like a a 10 15 game winning streak, like some shit like that and they got into the they even came back and took the the brewers over at one point for the division and then the cubs took a was on like an 8 to 9 10 game winning streak and then they took over so it's it's a crazy thing, man. I don't know what happens when it comes to this situation. I just want the Cubs to make the playoffs. <laughs> I just want us to make the playoffs, get into the wild card, and let's see what happens. Um, I think depending on where we land, and we're gonna probably be the last wild card in. If we are the last wild card in, that means we have to play, um, the Atlanta Braves, and let's be—I'm gonna be one hundred percent honest—we're probably gonna lose that series. Yeah, are probably going to lose that series. I'm not even going to sit here and act like I'm – I'm not even going to sit here and lie. We're probably going to lose that series. Um, But I don't think we played – no, nah, I, think, I think it goes – I don't know how the wild card thing works because I think this is like maybe the first time they have like seven teams. I think this is like the first time that they have like seven, uh, six teams in the playoffs. They, they had two wild cards. Now they have – Three, so I don't. I think this might be the first time they have three wild cards in the division. So I mean, going into the playoffs, so I don't know how that's supposed to fucking work. I don't know how it works, but we all should see. When I think about the AL, man, like I said, the Astros are gonna win that. The win, gonna uh, win the AL West. Baltimore, Tampa, Baltimore, Tampa. Um, yeah, Baltimore, Tampa. Here's my feelings about that. Baltimore, I think, is a really good team. The thing about Baltimore is, just like Tampa, they get in the playoffs and they choke. You have a great year and then you get in the playoffs and then there's one thing you cannot get done. Everything you did in the regular season, and then you play in these these high pressure games when it's maybe two days off, and you know you got like maybe what two days off and three days here, and you know, and you have to now like, and when you do a regular season, when you do a regular season, it's easy to scheme because you're playing in three games. You're not really. But when the playoffs hit, you're playing in three games, but not like this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't – I think as much as I'm going to be honest, I do not think that this team, either one of those teams, are going to physically – Win the World Series. I'm saying all that to say that. I don't think either one of those teams are going to win the World Series. I think they're going to get into a high-pressure situation, and then they're going to lose to the Astros. Now, I'm not, I am not—I live in Houston, so, of course, I know how great the Astros are. I've been in a couple games this season. The thing about the Astros is if they could get out their own way, they win. What I mean by that is leaving a pitcher in too long when you see him getting worn down And you don't take him out, you gotta know the signs. Dusty Baker, you have to know the signs when a pitcher is getting tired. Because he wasn't giving up these pitches in the first four or five innings. But by the six seven, he's worn the fuck out. He's tired. Too many balls, too many strikes, and now you're and now you're exhausted. So and then you get into like the later innings where your team only scored two runs and it's this pitcher is worn down. It's like, you got to know the signs. You got to get that person up. I've been to too many Astros games this season when the Astros are winning the game and then a pitcher gets fucking tired. You know why? Because he throws too many balls. He has too many pitch counts. The pitch count continues to rise and he gets into a position where he can't get out of it. And then he gives a one hit and another hit. And then somebody steps up to the plate and home run is over. And it's like, what the fuck? I've been to too many of these games. I went to the game against the Rangers earlier in the season. Same thing happened. Dude was pitching, having a good game, and then one hit. Another hit. Another hit. Another hit. Grand slam. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? They tied it, and then there's a grand slam, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And it, and it happens that fast, especially in playoff baseball. It just takes one moment. One hit to get the team like, okay, we got a chance. It just takes one. And if anybody knows that, better than anyone, it's the fucking Astros compared to what they did last year in the playoffs when Alvarez just got up to the plate and just knocked that shit in the, in the bleachers for like two straight, uh you know, playoff games. Come on. So what I think, the Astros are going to get to the World Series, I do. No matter who comes out the NL Central, if it's the Guardians or uh, the, uh, uh, the Twins, neither one of those teams are feared. And I think that is the biggest thing about the AL Central now. Even if you win that division, nobody fears you. Excuse me. That was a time we, we feared the Indians, the Guardians, and we feared the Twins. We feared them at some point. But now it's like if you win the AL Central, who's scared of you, who's really scared of you, and whoever is the AL, who gets into the AL wild card situation, is going to pretty much probably be, you know, and I'm looking at this right now, and I'm saying to myself, so it's going to either be Tampa or Baltimore, and then it's going to either be Texas, Seattle, I think the Twins are even in that conversation, So, so it's literally just a who wins and gets into the playoffs. Uh, when it comes to the AL and not, like I said, I don't know how this is, this new wild card shit is going to work, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it's going to actually pan out. I want to see how it's going to look. Um, now let's get into it. Week <laughs> week through the of college football uh, is officially over and done. Um Man, not a lot of games that were great. I did the uh, bleed purple and gold um, episode after we played against uh, Mississippi State. I talked about LSU and how he looked. Um, I think for what um, for what LSU is, you know, now LSU has rose up a little bit on the on the on the. Um, the, the rankings, the one game, one team that everybody's talking about is Colorado. And that game against Colorado State is probably, I think, the highest. I saw it today that it was the highest college football game in ESPN, I think, ever. And that's saying a lot. So, I think it said it pulled in 9.7 million people. I didn't go to sleep till like, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning because I was watching that fucking game. I was not going to sleep it's Deion Sanders has that magnet, man. He, he, that's, that's just, he has it, you know, we're watching these games, we're watching these, and college football needs this. And I said this literally when I was talking about the Pac-12, this bandic. I said the only person that could have kept the Pac-12 alive was Colorado and they're leaving and going to the big 12 next year. And that is the biggest thing. If you would have kind of figured out a way to get them together and he would have gotten you that. That game, all in all, was 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 crazy. Um, I know the Colorado State player that took out Travis Hunter has been getting death threats um, since that game. Um, not just him, his family. Um, Deion Sanders, of course. Uh, Deion Sanders, of course, was like, uh, "Y'all guys got to chill on that. Stop, you know, you know, trying to, you know." Sending this, man, death threats. Um, my thought on that is this, man. Um, The kid knew what he was doing. He tried to hurt this man. Now, does it lend itself to sending death threats to this mother? to him and his people? No. No, 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 no. It's an easier way to deal with that shit. Plus, on top of that, they already lost the game. What more can we ask for? Like, when you do negative shit like that, negative shit happens to you eventually. And Colorado State should have won that game. They easily should have won that game. But they were unfucking disciplined the entire fucking game. Like, the entire game. After a while Colorado stopped pushing them back and stopped, like, trying to fight with them every damn play. Because at the beginning, and I kind of felt like that's why Colorado kind of lost, because if they had came out not doing what they did in pregame, where they were kind of all about to, like, fight and shit, they would have probably would have just came out and just did just dominated them. But instead you fed into that negative energy. Once they give you their negative energy to you, you now play with that intensity. And guess what? That's what happened. Colorado State came out, jumped on them early, and for the most part, we probably thought that was going to pretty much be the game. And then, second half comes, though Travis Hunter out there, but it didn't goddamn matter. Chador um sanders that kid is ready but i agree with his fault i think he needs to stay one more year in the in the in um in college because if he could win the heisman this year that's great but if he could do it next year because let's be real this is a heavy this is a a heavy quarterback draft class that's coming in um so i don't think you should rush and try to like go into the draft. I think you might have a chance to go next year, especially with no Texas, no Oklahoma, that Big Twelve is gonna pretty much be in a complete and utter reboot. You can easily go with the best team in that in that conference and easily run through the back the Big Twelve next year. Easily run through the Big Twelve next year. So yeah. All in all, all in all man. Um Kansas State losing to Missouri on a 61-yard field goal, which is kind of like – I mean, if you're going to lose a game, (laughs) that's the game to lose it to. That's how you lose a game. Um, Alabama, look, me and my brother Juan talked about this on our show today. Um, And we we said this. um, And I've been saying this on here, but I'll say it again. The SEC looks very suspect, very questionable. Florida loses to Utah. Florida loses. Florida. Florida lost to Utah to start the season off. Then LSU loses to Florida State. Alabama loses to Texas. Georgia has not looked up to the part that they've uh, they've done. Tennessee just lost to Florida. Who lost to Utah? Um, Texas AM, and who was ranked at the time, goes into Miami and loses to Miami. I feel like this, man, and this is how I feel. SEC is not great this year. I think we're going to have a down year SEC-wise, a lot of these teams. But I think, as, as I will say this, the team that has the most consistency is going to be the dominant team in SEC. And to me, the team that didn't have the most turnover but had the most people coming in is actually LSU. And I actually think LSU is going to be good this year. I think we needed to lose to Florida State. Like I've been saying, we needed to lose to Florida State. We needed a loss to rejuvenate us and say, okay, Maybe we're not as great as we say we are. Maybe we need to maybe refine who the hell we are. And that's exactly what it is, man. All in all, week three is over. Week four is this Saturday. And let's get into it. So, ah, I didn't do this last week because week three had no real games. But But week four does. Week four has a lot. So, tonight I am going to do... What I did the first episode of this, and that is my skeptical game, the game I'm skeptical about, my most interest, my most intriguing game, uh, my most interesting, I should say, um, game, my game of the week, and the game that I think a lot of people should pay attention to as an upset. So let's get into it. My most skeptical game of this week is starting in the SEC, which I have said earlier and I said again, starting in the SEC. Old Miss versus Alabama. I think they go to Alabama. coast to Old Miss this week. Alabama's ranked 13th after falling out the top 10. I think for the first time in like years that they're not in the top 10. And I'm not t- like, and they're just one loss. But how they looked against get South Florida, they had to lose. They had to fall down. Like you could not have them up there after playing that goddamn back. And I know people going to say it was raining and all that shit, but Alabama just don't look right. They don't know who the quarterback is. And I think that's going to be their biggest downfall is that the offensive line is not how it used to be. The running game is not there. The receivers not there. And they don't have a quarterback that really can manage all of that. That's a problem. So going into Ole Miss, the first SEC game of the year for you, and you're going to Ole Miss, that's not a good thing. That is really not. And Ole Miss has had Alabama's number before, and I know Nick Saban is pretty spotless against um, people that have coached under him. But he just lost this uh, uh, Steve Sarkisian, and now you about to play against, um, and now you about to coach up against. Um, that has that dude name, <laughs> um, Ole Miss Hey coach. I know who I'm talking about, uh, but. Um. yeah, I think Alabama could lose this game. Now you're switching back to the quarterback that you had at the beginning of the season, and now you're switching back to him because the fir- the two quarterbacks you played last week couldn't do shit. So now you're switching back to the the quarterback that you started your season off with. I don't know if this kid's confidence is rock. If he's now like, yo, why did you come back to me? It makes no sense. Like, I don't get it. Um, Or maybe he steps up to the challenge. I don't know. But either way it is, you get benched for a week. And now you have to kind of like mentally get yourself, you know, prepared for your first ever SEC, you know, game pretty much. Good goddamn luck. Like on the road, on top of that, this is your first SEC game on the road. We just saw you against Texas, who could barely stop a team in a Big 12. And yet and you were at home, and now you're on the road against Ole Miss. This is your first SEC start ever in your career. Good goddamn luck, kid. Good goddamn luck. Uh, this is my most skeptical game because not just for Alabama, but for Ole Miss too. Because Ole Miss, you played Tulane. You beat them. I told you about that a couple weeks ago when they played Tulane. I said that is my one of my most intriguing games. I'm really looking forward to that game. You started the game off sluggish, and then you came back and won it in the end. But for the most part, you kind of started off sluggish, and again. I don't know how Ole Miss is going to play, but for what this team is, oh, Lane Kiffin. That's his damn name. Ole Miss head coach. (laughs) Lane Kiffin, coach under Nick Saban, and now he's the head coach of Ole Miss. And I don't know how much of this is going to matter to you, but – this is my most skeptical game, not just for Alabama, but for Ole Miss too. Because if you lose to this Alabama team struggling the way Alabama is struggling, yeah, this is not a good game for you, period. Um, my most intriguing game, well, uh, my most interesting game, I should say, for this upcoming week is the matchup of all matchups. Ohio State versus Notre Dame. First time Ohio State is going to Notre Dame um, in years. Um, This is my most uh, interesting game of the week coming into it because I think that they're both ranked, both ranked in the top 10. Um, I actually think Ole Miss, I, I mean, Ohio State, I think Ohio State, could lose this game. And actually, I think they will lose this game. I don't think Ohio State, listen, you struggled the first week, okay. Second week, okay. Third week, you did great. But I don't trust Ohio State, like, in big games. I don't I don't trust them anymore. And, and yeah, it is the head coach. Ryan Day, I don't trust you. I don't trust you in big games, high-pressure situations. Last year when you played Notre Dame in, in Ohio State, you should have pretty much lost that game, but you didn't. Um, and Notre Dame actually has a quarterback this year. And that is something that a lot of people probably won't talk about a lot. But Notre Dame actually has a real quarterback this year. And they can actually move the ball, and they can move the ball in a really good place. So I would not be surprised if Notre Dame at home beats Ohio State. But at the same time, this is the most important This is the most interesting game because this can determine – who has the clear path to pretty much a berth in, in the college playoffs. Because Ohio State, you still have to see Michigan. And Notre Dame, you still got to see, I think, USC. I think you still got to play. I think, I think you played Florida State this year. So you got a lot of teams you got to play. You still got to play the ACC schedule that you have. And I think you played Florida State this year. I can't remember. But I'm looking forward to this game because it kind of, like I said, it shows who has the clear path going into um, the college playoffs the next couple of weeks. So that's a pretty intriguing situation. Upset game, my upset game in a week is Iowa versus Penn State. Iowa is ranked 24th, Penn State is ranked number seven. This is why this is my upset game. It's um, – I got to see Penn State's quarterback, Drew Eleanor, Eleger, in a real high-pressure situation. He hasn't played in one yet. And Iowa is one of those teams that make you play to their game, makes you play to their level. I think it's in Penn State this week. I'm not sure. I got to look at the thing again. But if it's in Iowa, that's a harder game than people want to give it credit for. If it's in Penn State, you can kind of have the team, have people rally around um, this kid. I don't know how Penn State's offense is going to look in a real Big Ten game because they haven't played one yet. Until we see how this real t- this Penn State offense really looks in a real high-pressure Big Ten game, like Iowa, who's the best team to see this two against, with that defense, with the ability that they have, they're not great at passing the ball. They never will be. But the defense and that run game and what they do, they can kind of keep Penn State at bay. And if they do, I can easily see Penn State losing this game to Iowa because Iowa actually has, like I said, the defense in the running game. In the, they're the team that doesn't have to do, change a lot. Penn State has a, literally a new quarterback. I have not seen him in a high-pressure situation. He looks good in the first couple games. That's awesome. But everybody looks good in the first couple games. Who the fuck knows how this really is going to go when you really get into conference uh, play? And that's the thing. Speaking of conference play, that leads me to the game of the week. And let's be real. This is kind of like everybody's game of the week. Um. Colorado finally starts their conference play against Oregon. Oregon has scored literally, I think, 60 fucking points the last couple of times they've been on the football field. Colorado, of course, like I said, had a very, very tough game against Colorado State. But for the most part, they have showed up and showed out. Last Saturday, it showed their resilience. This Saturday has a show if they can hang with an Oregon. This is really what this is. One game is, doesn't define who you are. But this game could define what you will be going forward. And to me, and this is fucked up because they literally threw them on the schedule. Colorado literally has Oregon at Oregon and then USC. <laughs> like, I did, like the, college, the college people were so like, fuck this shit. Let's just see how Colorado really looks. And Colorado's not 3-0. And they struggled last week, but no Travis Hunter in this game. That's a very uh, important situation. He's your best cornerback, and he literally is one of your top receivers. And this is the most intriguing situation because now we get to see how Argen really looks in this situation. Because, again, Argen hasn't really played any fucking body. They usually play against Alabama, Georgia, somebody to start their season off, but they didn't do that this year. They just started the season off playing against these – non-conference fucking teams that nobody really cares about. So, yeah, their offense looks amazing. But until you play a team like Colorado that has real players that can actually step up and do some things, let's see how this goes. Um, I don't know who wins this game. I'm going to be honest with you. I wish I could say Colorado wins this game. But Oregon does have Bo Nix. He has a little bit more experience in these type of high-pressure situation games. Doesn't mean he's great at them, but he has a little bit more experience than than Shredor, Steven uh, Sanders does. But at the end of the day, I would not be surprised if Colorado also goes to Oregon and actually wins the fucking game. Um, they literally beat TCU and TCU to start the season. So they're used to that. They've already been on the road against a really good top, you know, team in college play, and they went there and won. So I would not be surprised if they also pull it off against Oregon. I would not be surprised. So if they do, it happens, you know. Anyway, that's my game of the week of college football. Um, Let's get into the NFL, man. All right. We two happened. I just did the Saints uh, bleed black and gold episode. <sighs> let me explain this to, to, to this week 2 of the NFL season was not interesting but damn sure like what the fuck um i will say this Pittsburgh beating uh Cleveland last night by the way gruesome injury Nick Chubb uh, same thing to Shaq Thompson. Um, speedy recoveries to both you guys, man. Um, yeah, that was those were two of the most ugh, injuries I've seen in a minute. Um, here's the thing. So, um, people that are sitting there, and I know people people that are sitting there screaming about. Uh, I said this this morning. I said this this morning uh, when we did uh, my show, me and my brother Juan, when we did our show. Um, I literally said, uh, uh, pump the brakes on Dallas and Miami. I think a lot of people, I literally saw today on ESPN where people were like, uh, there was a, there was a, on the first take, they were like, uh, who's the scariest unit, Dallas or Miami? That Miami's offense or Dallas's defense? What's the scariest unit? And I saw that, and I'm like, is this really what the fuck we're doing in week fucking two? Is like, who's the scariest unit? It's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, that literally was the fucking question. Who has the scariest unit, Miami or Dallas? It is like Miami's offense or Dallas's defense? Here's the thing. Dallas has not played a damn soul yet. Dallas has not played a soul. Dallas' first two games were against... Daniel Jones in the Giants. The Jets' offensive line, which even with Aaron Rodgers, they would have sucked. And this week you got the Arizona Cardinals. Can we put the brakes on this shit for a second? When I say those three teams, Giants, Jets, Cardinals, is the first three games for Dallas. And I know ESPN, they want to run the narrative. They do this shit with every franchise team, like the, the marquee teams. They do this shit in the NBA with the Lakers. They do this shit in the, in the MLB with the Yankees because they know that sells, t- that, that boosts ratings. But What they don't know is that fans don't give a shit about those teams at all. Not even close. Yeah, you got your diehard Dallas Cowboy fans from the 80s, 90s. But a lot of those kids grew up in the early 2000s. Motherfuckers didn't fuck with Dallas like that. Dallas was a shitty-ass team for most of their childhood. Why the fuck would you be a Dallas fan if you're in your 20s? Like, the fuck? Why? They did nothing for you. Anyway. This is my thing. Dallas, not, Dallas has not played anyone. They haven't played one team that matches them either offensively or defensively. They haven't played one team. Pump the brakes on it. Miami, they play New England, but New England doesn't have a number. And his thing, I know I've said this all the time, but Mac Jones really does need a number of receiver. He does. I hate to say it, but he does. Um, so, pump the brakes on those two. And this is the thing. This leads me to what I'm about to do tonight. Now, we know. We live in this country. We know that there there are levels of warnings. Right? Warning levels. You know, once it gets to, like, red, it's like, get the fuck out. It's, like, killer shit. Excuse me. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So for me, the team that has possibly, and I mean possibly, the team that has possibly, possibly the most intriguing situation is the Cincinnati Bengals. I'll tell you why. And I'ma say they're in yellow. They're in yellow. I still believe in Cincinnati. And for this, let's call yellow warning. Um caution. They're in a new they're in the caution of the season. It can either go really bad or really good depending on what you do in the next couple weeks. Joe Burrow has re his hamstring injury. The same hamstring injury. The same hamstring injury that kept him out pretty much uh, for preseason and training camp, which is more important because preseason, whatever. But training camp, that's more important. And he re it. And his thing. Cincinnati plays the Rams this week. Super Bowl matchup, Super Bowl rematch from a couple years ago. I won't sit here and say this is a must win, but this is kind of feels like a must win. Not only have you lost, you lost two divisional games back to back one at home, one on the road. That's not good. You're playing against a Rams team that isn't great, but for the first two weeks have shown something which I thought they would be the number one pick in the draft. I still think they're going to be the number one motherfucker pick in the draft. That hasn't really changed. But for your team to be struggling right now like they are, and I know Joe Burrow's hurt, but that offensive line that you continuously plow and pile money into has not fucking worked. That's a fucking problem for me. You got to do something about that. The fact that the offensive line has not worked, the fact that that's, that defense has to get back on the field a little bit too many times still and actually have to still try to defend everything, That's a problem for me. You got to fix that. Like, immediately. So, Cincy, you are now in a caution. Because if you lose to the Rams, I don't think you're coming out of this like you did last year when you lost the first two games last year. Because I don't think you're the defense – and if Joe Burrow is really hurt, that hamstring injury could really sideline him. For real, for real. So, yeah. My orange. My orange team. The team in the orange for me. And this is. Ooh, you getting close. <laughs> ooh, you getting close to that panic button. Like, eh, like you, like. Ooh, shit, shut up, Ooh, you're getting close to that, you're getting close, you're getting close to that panic button, you can feel it in your chest, like, oh, shit, and that team, to me, that team, to me, is a team that have been saying for the last couple of years should have got rid of the fucking kid coach, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers, what the fuck are you doing, listen, My brother Juan said something that had me a little bit upset this morning. He said that some analysts out there were saying that Justin Herbert isn't good. I have done my show with my brother Juan, Jack's Wild Sports, for the last couple of for a couple years now. We've done this show. And the first thing I did on that show when we got on that show was literally say the Chargers suck. <laughs> that was the first thing I did when I got on that show. That the Chargers suck. They have never, all the talent that they have had in their careers, all of the talent that this team has had as long as I've been alive. Drew Brees, Antonio Gates, um, uh, rest in peace, Vincent Jackson, um, Sean Marion. You've had all of this fucking, Quentin Jammer, all of this talent, even to the recent times, Phillip Rivers, um, uh, Keenan Allen. All Antonio Clarmarty, all of this talent, Darren Sproles, Ladanian Tomlinson, all of this talent that y'all have had, this entire franchise that you've had, now recently, now to this point, even to this point, with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, All of the players you got even with them, bruh, Joy Bosa, JC Jackson, Khalil Mack, and Sante Samuel Jr., all of these players, and y'all still can't win a fucking game. You should be ashamed of yourself. I have been alive for 29 damn years. I have not seen a Chargers team yet that I feared. I haven't seen a Chargers team yet that I feared. And they've had Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and now Justin Herbert as quarterbacks. We forget. That is like the craziest damn thing. Drew Brees, then Phillip Rivers, then Justin Herbert. That's like Green Bay right now. From Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan fucking love. That's like, that's literally like, like, The Patriots going from, like, Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady. Like, people forget Drew Bledsoe was a really good fucking quarterback. That is is literally what it is. It's like the Colts going from fucking Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. You motherfuckers went from Drew Brees to Philly Rivers to goddamn Justin Herbert. And I'm not, like, we got to stop acting, like, that's not what the fuck the charges are. This is a problem. They are in that they might need to push the panic button. And this week, you play against the Vikings in Minnesota. If you lose this game, Brandon Staley ass need to be in Minnesota for the rest of the duration of that time because you need to fire his ass right then in there and tell his ass he ain't coming back. That is ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous that the Chargers' defense cannot stop a soul. That is damn near embarrassing. And for somebody... That is supposed to be defensive ordinate, coordinated, and you are a defensive coordinator, and you still cannot, with Joy Bosa, Khalil Mack, Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson, you cannot figure out how to call defense. The fuck are we doing with you? Why are you here? Why are you here? You should have got fired when you gave up 20. 31 unanswered points to the fucking Jaguars last year. You should have got your ass fired then. Anyway, but, yeah, they should definitely start thinking about that panic button. The team that should be hitting the panic button, though, (laughs) the team that should definitely be hitting the goddamn panic button is the Denver Broncos. I said this literally when I did this show, like I said, with my brother uh, Juan, we had to pick, like, five teams that we thought could be the number one pick in the draft, and I said Denver. Denver was, like, my third team on the list, fourth team on the list. I think it was, like, my fourth team on the list. And I said Denver. I said, this shit can go bad really goddamn fast. And guess what? They're on two. And guess what's going to happen this Sunday? They might go on three because they play who? The Miami Dolphins. They can literally go on three at the end of this at the end of this week. And now we start to look at Sean Payton like, yo. But here's the thing. They're actually scoring. They're just not winning, and that's the crazy part. The Raiders game—that's a divisional game—it happens. Washington game—you scored in the first half, and then you just went dead cold in the second. And here's the thing: I know people are gonna say and say Sean Payton's the reason. Sean Payton's the reason. I don't think it's Sean Payton, man. I don't. I don't think it's Sean Payton. What I think is this: I think that as much as we sit here. We might need to actually agree to disagree on this, that Russell Wilson might just be done. There's too many times in the second half where you just don't show the fuck up, and then you show up for one play, and you do it. That's not good. Denver needs to start thinking about hitting that fucking red, start really toting red flags, because if they lose to Miami this upcoming week, and then you have to, I think you stay on the road for the next couple weeks, if you can't get a game in it, Sean Payton's not leaving. Russ is. Because as much as we want to sit and act like – and I can see – I can easily see Sean Payton telling Russ, hey, man, you're going to have to sit out for the rest of this game. We're going to let Jarrett Stenham play. And if did Stenham, like I said when I when I did the show with my brother Juan, I said here, if Jared Stenham gets in that game and actually makes that offense work, Russ is out on the next train out of Denver. He's out that shit. He's out. All in all, week two is done. Week three is here. I can't wait to see what happens. And tomorrow night I'll be with my brother Juan on our podcast, Jack's Wild Sports Show. This episode will be out after that. But until then, I am Brandon Janou. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Peace.